Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Today, we are opening to Genesis chapter 12, and you may be asking, why are you speaking about Abraham at a time of Rosh Hashanah? And I want you to understand that Rosh Hashanah focuses much on Abraham. Remember what the Bible says. The Bible says you will have a holy convocation, a blowing of the trumpets just for you. And that is not just the silver trumpets. That was the shofar. And we need to understand that. The Bible also tells us you will have a memorial, a blowing of the trumpets. So what is the memorial about? The memorial is the um, commemoration of Genesis chapter 22, which we are going to look at in a moment. So it is so important that we understand the patriarchs. Now, those of us who do not understand the patriarchs, it's so important because Pauline theology, when I say Pauline theology, I'm speaking of Paul. Paul's theology, Pauline theology, when we are talking about the church's connection to Israel, the church's connection to Israel in Pauline theology is through the patriarchs. Let us look at this just for a moment before we go to our text tonight, looking at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, very quickly, so that we can begin to understand the Pauline background. When I say Pauline, I mean Paul, St. Paul. When we're speaking about the Pauline background of, of the uh, connection and the uh, inheritance that the church has with Israel, and this is through the through Christ, but through the patriarchs. Looking at verse 13, the key is verse 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for, cur for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Watch verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through, through faith. What is the blessing of Abraham? That is what many of us do not understand. This is called zechut avot. Can you say that with me? Zechut avot. Zechut avot. Zechut means inheritance, and avot means the fathers. Now, I want you to understand, David is not a father. Um, Solomon is not one of the fathers. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the fathers. I'm going to show you how Paul refers to the fathers. Let us go uh, to verse 29 since we are in Galatians. Notice he is telling us our connection to Israel is through the fathers, not through the law, but through the fathers. Notice, if you are Christ's, then what? Let's all read this together to make sure we are all scriptural. One, two, three, go. Heirs of what? Heirs of Zehut Avot. Say it. Heirs of Zehut Avot. That means the inheritance that was laid up by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are ours. Now, that is a really difficult thing to understand unless we understand their trials. Because every one of the tests and trials that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob suffered and went through and went through perfectly, their inheritance and reward for those trials were for their descendants. So that means the descendants are recipients of their reward. Can you say this with me? Their descendants are recipients of their reward. That is called the blessing of Abraham. That is what is meant that the promises, hallelujah, that if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And what heirs? Heirs according to the promise. Heirs of concerning the promises that God gave to Israel. Let's go over to Romans chapter 4. We find many of the discussions in the scripture 
that Paul gives, his thesis that he lays out for the church concerning our connection to Israel through the fathers begins in Romans chapter 4. And let us just look at Romans 4 just for a moment. We're going to look at verse 16. We're just going to do this really quickly because it's not really part of our curriculum tonight. Verse 16 last line. We're going to see. I want you just to see last line. I'm not teaching you Paul's doctrine. I'm just showing you from the scripture, Paul's thesis on how the church is connected to Israel through the fathers. Notice, he says, but to that also, last line, which is of faith, which is of the faith of Abraham. Notice, read the last line who is the father of us all. Say it with me. Who is the father of us all. So Paul has declared that Abraham is not only the father of the faith for Israel, but also the father of us all. He's writing to the church at Rome, the Romans, hallelujah, to, who are both Jew and Gentile. Let us go to um, Romans chapter 11. And I want you to see this concept of Zahut Avot. Romans chapter 11. We're looking at verse 25. We're going to be very brief on this. Romans 11 verse 25. I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits. And if we can have the brethren to have a mic, because there's going to be a lot of scripture. Um, uh, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that the blindness in part is happened to Israel. What kind of blindness? Blindness that Jesus is the Messiah is happened in part in Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So they are blinded so we can be saved. Isn't that glorious? Somebody ought to say, God allowed them to be blind so we could be saved. What a glorious thing. Has that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. What does it mean, the fullness of the Gentiles? It means till the last Gentile is saved. As soon as that last Gentile is saved, that has been ordained to be saved, it's over for the Gentiles. Our era is over. But then it's time for Israel to recognize Yeshua HaMashiach. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Say that time is very near. That's why I'm so excited about Jesus, the rabbi tour. And if you missed it, Sorry, it's packed. You can't go. But we'll take another one. Praise God. Hallelujah. We ought to give God the praise and the glory. And the reason I'm saying that is because we have, we have special T-shirts we're going to give to our uh, tour members. And it's going to say, Jesus the rabbi. Hallelujah. It's going to be that all those going on the tour are going to be a witness to Israel. Jesus is the rabbi. Somebody ought to praise God. Amen. We're excited about it. We're so excited about it. Please pray because we know it's a mission that God is leading us on, not just it happened so suddenly. If somebody would have told me five months ago, you are going to Israel and you're taking your group to Israel, I've said, no, you're wrong. I stopped doing that a long time ago. I stopped doing that because my husband and I, Papa used to take his tours. I'd take mine. We'd meet over there. I mean, we did this for all through the 80s, the 90s, and that's when I said, I have to just do missions. Don't have, you know, I don't have time for the luxury of going to Israel. I want to just serve the poor and take care of the poor. But you know, this happens suddenly. I believe it's an assignment from God. I believe we're on a mission from God to go and to pray in the land of Israel before things happen in end times. I tell you people, we're on a mission. Hello, somebody. So we're really excited about it, and hopefully we'll be able to go again soon if God, if it's God's will. We only want to do God's will. Amen? All right, let us look. Till the time, till the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now notice, look at the next verse, verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. There shall come out of Zion a deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now look at verse 28. 
Verse 28 says, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But watch this last line. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the father's sakes. Notice the fathers. Who are they speaking of? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the fathers that Israel is endeared to God. Do you understand how precious the uh, vote are? If you do, say amen. All right, so let's look at these men of extraordinary background. When we... Now, one of the questions that arises when teaching us about the three most important people in the formation of the nation of Israel, the question arises, why does the Torah, why does the scripture only focus on their tests? That's a question. The three most important individuals that we see that make the formation for the nation of Israel, the scripture is going to form on the tests. And we are going to see that their tests teach total submission to the highest commission of God's will. Say this with me. My test is for total submission to the highest commission of God's will in my life. Can we say amen to that? So we need to understand that the patriarchs and particularly the Avot, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, teach us the art of passing the test. How many want to pass the test? Amen. Say this with me. Life is a test. Is a test. And I want to be able to discern the life, my life's tests. Oh, yes. Say it again. Life is a test. And I want to be able to discern the tests that come to me from God. Say this with me. I want to pass every test. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God the praise. All right. Now I'm going to share with you the two words in Hebrew for test. All right. We have the word bikina and we have the word nation. All right. The word bikina is a word that means that it's a very generalized word for test. It means to test somebody's aptitude. For example, if you are going to go into a special skill, you're going to be hired for a certain job. You have to take a test to see if you have the qualifications that actually qualify you for that job. That would be under the that would be under the category of bikina. All right? Or if say for example, um you um were very highly skilled in something and they're going to test your skills. They're going to test how well do you play the piano, or they're going to test how well do you play the violin, or how skilled are you in mathematics. This is Bikina, all right? Bikina is not what we're looking at tonight, okay? So put that out of our mind. That is not what the tests are about. It is not about to test your skill. It is not to, about to test how talented you are, and the most talented person gets elected by God. No, that is not how we are elected by God. It is not by who's God's favorite. No, that doesn't happen. Okay, there are other reasons for tests. The word test, I'm going to share with you something. Hebrew language, biblical Hebrew, is the most definitive language that ever was. All right, why do we need to know that? Why is that important? Because the scriptures were written, most of the scriptures were written in Hebrew. Do you all understand? And behind every word is a concept. Say this with me. Behind every word is a concept. Now, in English, is there a concept behind a chair? No. Is there a concept behind glasses I wear? No, it's just glasses. I put them on my, there's no special meaning. I don't go through uh, the multiple meanings of glasses and how they apply to my life. I just look at glasses and I put them on and I read. All right, to a chair, are there multiple revelations of what a chair is? Absolutely not, you just sit down and you use it. But in Hebrew, it's quite on the contrary and quite different. We must understand that every single Hebrew word has a concept behind it and the concepts are known through the root, through a three letter root or through a two-letter root. 
And so the word that is used for text, specifically for Abraham, before we look at Genesis 12.1, we're going to look at Genesis 22.1. I want you to see this word. It is nasion. Say it. Nasion. Say it again. Nasion. Nasion. Say it again. Nasion. Okay. In this word, notice, it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham. That word tempt means like God's going to tempt him. It is not a temptation. It is a test. That God did test Abraham. This word that is used for test is the word nasion. Say it. Nasion. Now, in the root of the word nasion, you will see what it means. You see, when the minute I said test to all of us, we kind of got a frown on our face. You know why? Because the only way in the Western world and in the English, in the English version of the word test, when speaking of tested by God, it's just negative. We just say, God's going to put me through trials. God is upset with me. God is just going to strike me. Or why did I do this? Why is God putting me through trials? What did I do to deserve this? And so in our English idea of testing, it is negative. We just think that the test is something negative and praise God afterward, we will get rewarded. But in Hebrew, I want you to understand the same way that repent has a positive, um, a, a, a word alluded to it. When you repent, you return. You don't just repent. You're not just only sorry for your sin, but you return to your true self. You return to what God has for you. You return to what God ordained for you. You return back to what God ordained you to be. You return back to your inheritance. You return back to the promises. You return back to everything God has prepared for you. That is the positive aspect of repentance. Are you hearing it? Guess what? In the trial, it's positive also. We don't really understand the trial. The word ness is the root of the word nasion. Say it with me, ness. ness. Say it again, ness. ness. Ness is the root of the word nasion. The word ness has two meanings. The first meaning of ness is miracle. Say it with me, miracle. Say this with me. There's a miracle in my trial. There's a miracle in my test. My test is for my best. Somebody ought to say, the test was designed to bring me to my best. Somebody ought to say it. The test was designed to bring me to my best. The test was designed to bring me to my best. Hallelujah. So it's not distress it's success that God gives me from my test hello somebody somebody ought to praise God why because first of all we're going to understand that these tests were designed with your destiny in mind that every test is going to bring you to another level of who you have been called to be and I'm going to show you that mystery in a moment through the 10 tests of Abraham, just simply in one word or two words, one phrase. This word nasion is also a word for banner. This word banner is the word that means to lift up a banner. For example, do you remember when uh, Amalek in Exodus chapter 17 was defeated and God swore that he would wipe out the name of Amalek from under heaven? And an altar was built, and they called it Jehovah Nisi. I don't like to use that word Jehovah, but it's okay. Okay, I'd rather say the Yudhe Vavhe Nisi or Adonai Nisi. Okay, Nisi, say it, Nisi. Do you see the word Ness in it? Do you see the word Ness in it? It means banners. His banner over you is love, number one, but the banner means that he's going to raise your test up to a standard so that other people will be able to see the God who brought you 
through the impossible. The God who brought you to your destiny. The God who brought you out. The God who kept you through the test. Hallelujah. Because the test is for your best. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. Hallelujah. Why is this word miracle also used? This word miracle is also used because when you are tested by God, you are going to be supernaturally stretched to another level. The purpose of the test is to stretch you because the next portion of your life after the test is a higher level of destiny. It's a greater dimension of destiny that God has allowed for you after the test. We're going to prove that from the scripture. Say this with me, my light affliction is just for a moment, but it worketh for me a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. Somebody should give God the praise and somebody should give God the glory. All right. So the 10 tests of Abraham, let us go to Genesis chapter 12. The 10 tests of Abraham are the test to produce the pinnacle of purpose in his life. Say it with me. The tests are designed to produce the pinnacle of purpose in my life. That's what I learned from Abraham's test. Okay, so we understand that these things are written not so we know they happened. They're written so that we can learn. Torah is teaching us. All right. Secondly, we see that actually before we delve into the depths of testing, we are going to see that the Torah is going to teach us blessed assurance in the sense that the supernatural scriptural secret of the test is going to be given to us in the title of the test. Did you know that the test has a title? It has a name. Yes. Say this with me. I want to learn the name of the test. How many of you want to learn the name that the Bible tells us was the name of the 10 tests of Abraham? 10 tests, not just one test, 10 tests. They all have a name. How, would, how many of you would like to know the name? One name. That name is going to define the reason for the test. And the Bible tells us this name. Let us look. Looking at chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Notice, going back to verse 1. Notice it says, get thee out. Can you say that with me? Get thee out. This is the first of the ten testings. Say it with me, the first of the ten testings. Now let's go to Genesis 22. I want to show you a secret. Genesis 22. We're going to see the very same word that we found in Genesis 12, 1 in Hebrew, which I haven't told you yet. You're going to see that very same word in the 10th test. Say this with me. The binding of Isaac was the 10th test. Let us look. The Bible says, and it came to pass after these things that God did give Nassim to Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. How did he respond? Hinini, say it. Hanini. Say it again. Hinini. Hinini means not just here I am, but Hinini means I'm ready before you ask me. Notice God didn't ask him yet. God is going to tell him to do something very difficult. But God didn't ask him yet. But his answer is I'm ready. Can we stay ready? Say this with me. I'm learning from the 10 tests of Abraham, first and foremost, to always respond. I'm ready to do what you want me to do in this test. Let me look beyond the test and see what your will is. What are you teaching me? I'm ready. Are you with me, saints? All right. Notice verse 2, 10th test. 
And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and what? Get thee into, same words in Hebrew. What are these words? These words are lek leka. Say it. Lek Okay, so lek leka into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you of. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We, we are going to see the same concept, lek leka, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, lek leka. Again, get thee out. Didn't we just see get thee into the land of Moriah? Yes. Say it with me, lek leka. Now we are seeing the same words, different in English, but the same in Hebrew. Lek leka, out of your country, out of your kindred, and out from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. What is this meaning of this phrase, lek leka? Say it with me. The first test of Abraham begins with Lech Lecha, and the tenth test of Abraham ends with Lech Lecha. First of all, we see that Abraham begins his testings when he's 75. That is what verse 4 tells us. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 says that Abraham was 75 years old. Lech Lecha, the second time at the binding of Isaac, he's well past 100 years old. All right, we know this because in Genesis chapter 17, when God changes his name because every test changes your destiny. Say it with me, every test is going to change my destiny. Say, after every test, I'm completely changed and I come into more of my destiny if I pass the test right. Hello? The Bible tells us, as we see here, he's 75 when he first begins his testings. And in Genesis 17, verse 1, the Bible says, when Abraham was 90 and 9 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, walk before me and be thou perfect. I am almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Notice he was 99 from 75 to 99. So Isaac was born when he was 100. So when Isaac, when the Akita took place, the binding of Isaac, Isaac wasn't five years old. Isaac was a young man. So Abraham is very aged. So we have from 75 to 100 and something. What is that teaching us? Ten tests. That means life is the test. And even when you're older, the test does not stop. God continues to give us tests because he continues to increase us. He continues to draw us into our destiny. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. Say this with me. I'll never stop serving God through the test. Oh, did you hear me? I said we'll never stop serving God through the test because life is a all right. Now, we need to understand, beloved saints, going back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We're looking at this word, leklaka. This is the title of the first test. This is the title of the last test. The Torah has chosen to reserve this phrase, leklaka, simply for Abraham's tests. You will not find leklaka in any other portion of the Torah. It is only here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, verse 2. Why? Because it is an isolated phrase. And it is specifically used only in the instance of the testings of Abraham. So that we know we can safely assume that because the first testing begins with Leklaka and the tenth testing ends with Leklaka, that we will see that every test is an experience of leklaka in our own lives. So what is the meaning of leklaka? Dr. Corral, what is this title? That titles every test I will ever take in my life, no matter what kind of test it is. Leklaka means two meanings in Hebrew. It means go to yourself, or it means go for yourself. 
So that means every time I go through a test, I'm going to my true self that God created me to be. I'm going to my destiny. I'm going, if I know how to pass the test, if I understand it's about the will of God, if I understand that this test is designed for me to surrender my will to God's will, if I understand that this test is designed to make me 100% submitted and committed to my God, then and that means after every test, I am going to go more to my destiny. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. Okay, so go to yourself, go for yourself. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand that this is the whole concept. This means that the test is designed with your destiny in mind. This also means that the purpose of this test is for your best, so that we understand this concept that leklaka, go to yourself. Now, we understand for Abraham, in Padam Aram, Syria, he could not be his true self. That is not who he is. You know who he is? The next verse is going to tell you who he really is. Notice verse 2 um, of Genesis chapter 12. His true self is not the father of Aram, Avram. His real true self is somebody he doesn't even know exists. It's a destiny he's never met. I will make of you a great nation. And I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Do you realize, Leclaca, if he obeys and departs and completely separates himself from his entire house, kin, family, and even his father, that if he leaves everything, forsakes all, and goes to a land, giving up his own land, that he's never seen before, whose builder and maker is God, he will become an Ivory. Okay, I want you to understand what is happening here. If you understand the book of Genesis, you will understand that the, the, the context of the Torah here before we read Leklaka in Genesis chapter 11, it looks like a bunch of boring genealogy, but it's not boring genealogy. The genealogy is given to us for a reason it teaches us to. The genealogy is not given to us so we know it happened. The genealogy is telling us something. Terah was also called. Tara's entire family was called. God calls families to serve him. Say this with me. God calls entire families to serve him. If we look at the New Testament, we will see it was Peter, James, and John. It was J James and John. They were a family, weren't they? Andrew and Peter, weren't they brothers? Weren't Martha, Mary, and Lazarus related? Weren't they brothers and sisters? God calls families. Amen. Say it with me, God calls family. God calls and I'm claiming my family to serve God. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm claiming my family to serve God. Are you with me? Tara had a call. The Bible tells us in verse 31 of, of, of Genesis 11. Let's look at this really quick. Genesis 11, verse 31 is the context of Liklika. You and I have to know it. We can't just think that, praise God, this is written just so we know it happened. It's just some boring genealogy, and isn't that great? I passed the test. I now know Hebrew history. No, that is not why. Verse 31, and Terah took his son Abram, his son Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees. Notice where they're going. Tell me where they're going. Everyone. To go to the land of Canaan. Say it again. To go to the land of Canaan. Okay, Canaan is the early name of Israel. Okay, later it becomes Israel. But Jacob isn't born yet, so it can't be named Israel till Jacob is born because Jacob's name is Israel. Hallelujah. His land, his seed is called Israel and the land is called Israel and his name is called Israel. 
Are you with me? Okay, so here we see, beloved saints, here we see his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth from Ur of the Chaldees into the land of, into the land of, into the land of Canaan. And notice, they came to Haran, and what did they do? They dwelt there. They didn't complete the journey. Terah fell out before he was finished. He did not make it to Canaan. You see, in those days, Canaan was a, was a place that God is going to, of course, later give to, his, give to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we must understand that it was a place that attracted them. There was something about Canaan that is drawing them. God is drawing them to the land of Canaan as a family. And Terah does not make it. He does not finish. And the reason he doesn't make it isn't because he's tired. The reason he doesn't make it is because he doesn't have within him the qualities that are necessary to go beyond himself into the place of promise that God is giving him. So this is where God separates Abraham from his family because they're not completely delivered from idols yet because Terah was an idolater and Abraham was the only monotheist besides Melchizedek in his generation. Hallelujah. Do you all understand this? Yes. God is saying, what I'm going to do with you, you can't mix with this world over here. They already know who I am through you. They already know who I am through Sarai. They already have seen your life, your integrity, and your righteousness. They already know your kindness and your hesed. They already know your integrity that you will not, you will always be upright in your business dealings. They already know that you will never oppress the poor. They already know your integrity and your righteousness. And you see, when you worship idols and just only worship idols, there is absolutely no integrity behind a, a society, nor are there any kinds of, of social behavior that is uh, alluded to that idolatry. Do you all understand? And so they did not want to give up their ways. But the family was still called. And if you really study it, and this is for advanced cases, those who really want to study it, okay, you really want to know, the women on the side of Nahor, Nahor the the second oldest of Terah's sons. First was Abraham, second was Nahor, third was Haran. He was the youngest. Nahor's descendants that were women, they were all righteous. And that is why, that is why Abraham sent his family, sent Eleazar to find a wife for Isaac among them because the family was still called. So there were women in that place that were called originally with Terah, but did not. Terah didn't make it, but the girls did. Hello, somebody. I said, God's calling families, and it's up to the family whether or not they're going to receive that call of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, so, and so we see, beloved saints, the Bible tells us that leklaka, you had to go, you gotta go, come out of there. You cannot be who I created you to be in that environment. They are gonna hold you back. That is not who you are. I'm going to make a nation out of you. Notice verse 5 of chapter 12. Notice what happens here. It is Sarai and Abraham, not just Abraham. It is Sarai also. Hallelujah. Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered. Now watch this. And all the souls that they had gotten. Say all the souls they had gotten. Said again, all the souls they had gotten. All the souls that they had gotten. 
because why? They were converting the people out of idolatry to the God of Abraham. Do you understand this? A nation is being formed. Say it with me, the formation of the nation of Israel. Nations being formed. Wow. But it can only happen through Leclerca. Separation. Every one of us goes through a Leclerc-like experience in our lives. When God calls us out. Because in only, only to fulfill the will of God, there has to be a separation. Notice the New Testament version of Leclerca. How many would like to see the New Testament version of Leclerca? Hallelujah. Mark's gospel gives it for us, and so does Matthew's gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark's gospel lays it out for us. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus said, hallelujah, that there is none that has not left. Father, let's go to Mark, 20, Mark 10. And looking at Mark chapter 10, verse 28, but the key is 29. Say, Leclerca in the New Testament. Say it again. Leclerca in the New Testament. Bible says, and Peter said, began to say unto them, Lo, we have left all to follow you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that is not left house or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. Isn't that what Abraham did? Didn't he lack lacah? Didn't he say, get thee out of thy house, out of thy father's house, out of thy, uh, from thy kin, and from thy father's house? Isn't that what this is? Yeah. There is no man that hath not left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, or children or lands for my sake and for the gospels. Now watch the next verse. That will not receive it a hundredfold now in this time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I said now in this time. Yeah. Say this with me. Go for yourself. Go for yourself. Do yourself a favor. And allow God to pull you out. Do yourself a favor and learn how to submit to Leclerca. Hello? That will not receive it a hundredfold now in this time and in the time to come. Brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions. What does that mean? That means it's not going to be easy. So, Persecution is also included in the leklaka. Persecution is part of the leklaka. When you are persecuted, it's a leklaka experience. That will receive it now in this present life and in the world to come. Say it now and also in the world to come. Say, so I'm not losing anything. I'm only gaining because Abraham gave up a small little house that was steeped in idolatry that already made up their minds. They've come as far as they're going to go. But he went further. He went over the river. He crossed over the river. You see, the word Hebrew means from the other side. Ivory. Set with me. I'm Ivory. I'm from the other side. I'm willing to cross over. I'm willing to go to the next level. I'm willing to go into a deeper dimension of destiny. I'm willing to go to my true self. I am crossing over, and somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, beloved saints, I want to... I want to tell you, I'm going to show you just really quickly something very important because we oftentimes say, why this test? Look at Genesis chapter 17. 
I want you to see. Every one of Abraham's tests, by the way, were with his family. First test, leave the family. Sever the soul tie. This is not who you are. These are not your people. This is not your land. This is not your kin. You got another family that you haven't seen yet. They're spiritual family. They're your family. The souls you've gotten, they're your family. And there will be some from the family originally that are going to walk in my ways and keep my commandments like Rachel, like Leah, like Rebecca. All the matriarchs, they all came from the chosen family. Hello, they weren't scattered abroad. They all came from the chosen family because God calls families. Hello, somebody. I said, God calls families. All right, so they all had the same descendant. They all came from Nahor. They all came from the line. Rebecca came from that line. Leah came from that line. And Rachel came from that line. All right, so we need to see. Um, when Abraham was 90 and 9 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 is the most important because let me just share with you uh, in this. I want you to understand, beloved saints, this portion of scripture beginning in Genesis 12 all the way to Genesis 17 to where we're reading to the end of the chapter. You know, there are portions of scripture, units. Say it with me, units with themes. Say it again, units with themes. The theme leklaka which begins in chapter 12, even though Leklaka is the name of the 10th test as well. But the theme Leklaka begins in chapter 12 and ends at the end of chapter 17. Very unusual. Because what happens in 17? Something incredible. Your name will no longer be called Abram. The changing in, de in, in Genesis, the changing of the name corresponds with the changing of a destiny. After passing test, all these tests with his family, first, coming out. Second, this was a test also for Sarai. This was her leklaka. Famine hits the land. It's devouring all the people. He's responsible for all these souls. He's already been in the land several years. He's already built altars unto God. He's raising the Kedusha, the holiness, in the land, walking it. Praying and living and raising up righteousness through his integrity and through his moral standards. A famine hits. He has two choices. He can go back to Haran where he will be welcomed and have all the food he needs. Or he can put Sarah at risk and go to Egypt. He discusses it with Sarah before they make their choice. And they choose to be put at risk for the sake of the tribe rather than going back to Haran, where it will be easy but compromise. Hello. Yes. He puts Sarah at risk. Sarah chooses to be at risk. She already knows. And it's very obvious. He already knew what was going to happen because it was the procedure of the day. That is what happened. They would kidnap a, a wife and kill the husband. It wasn't just only in Egypt. It was all over the Middle East. That was customs at the time in various countries. Very common practice. Abraham knew this was going to happen. And so did Sarah. But she chose 
to put herself at risk for her descendants and for the tribe they had to not go back to Haran. And they trusted God. But you see, this is the miracle of the patriarchs. The actions of the fathers are a sign to the children. Meaning, everything they go through, that's a test. They're laying up zuchut for descendants that are going to go through the same test. The descendants, hundreds of years later, there's a famine in Canaan, and they have to go to Egypt. When Sarah was kidnapped, the Bible tells us that the Lord plagued Pharaoh to release her. And that Pharaoh had given a huge dowry to Abraham with great substance, with silver, gold, cattle, and servants. And when God plagued Pharaoh to release Sarah, Abraham left with great wealth. Afterward, Abraham has a dream. And God says, no, of a surety that your seed is going to be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. And that nation will afflict them for 400 years. And afterward, I will judge that nation, and they shall come out with great substance. And thus, the promise of the redemption of the B'nai Israel out of Egypt before they were ever born. God already promised before there was one descendant that they were going to go to Egypt and come out with great substance. Are you with me? The actions of the fathers are assigned to the children. Somebody should praise God. What do we learn from this? Well, first we learn that without separation, there cannot be the manifestation of destiny. We cannot be attached to the world if we expect God to open our destiny. Hallelujah. Secondly, what do we learn? We learn this also through his testing because his testings were with his family. First testing with his family in Haran. Second testing with Sarai. Third testing with Lot. He pretty much adopted Lot because he loved Haran, his brother, and is going to take responsibility for Lot. But Lot's behavior is despicable once Lot gets his hands on the wealth. And he begins to oppress the Canaanites. And immediately, no negotiation with Abraham. He doesn't strive with him. Because strife he will never allow in his land. He will not strive with Lot. And he said, we are brethren. Let there be no strife between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. We are brethren. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. All the land is before you. Choose wherever you want. But we must separate. Why? Because the strife with the herdsmen was that Lot was going to use his power and all of the wealth and intimidation to oppress the Canaanite and the Perizzite, to allow their cattle to go into their land without paying them and without honoring their ownership of the land, to lord over them. And Abraham says, this is a non-negotiable issue. I don't even need to ask God about this. This is no. It's ruining the whole vision. I have to separate again. I have to separate. He doesn't even allow the feelings that he has for Lot or any of his own emotion to press on the decision 
that needs to be made. His only concern is the work of God. His only concern is the preservation of the land of Israel, that there would be no oppression when he walks that land so he can raise God's presence over the land. Separation for the manifestation of destiny. Leklaka, let us stand right now and just receive from the Lord. Heavenly Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we release the anointing. Father God, we pray right now for every person that is going on this journey in the new, in this new year in Rosh Hashanah that you will open doors of destiny, that, Lord God, they would know that this test is for their best. Lord God, that we, Father God, will make this commitment of total submission for the highest commission of destiny, that we will make this decision for your will. And even, God will even prepare you for your most difficult test by giving you a pretest. The test with Ishmael was one of the most grievous tests that Abraham went through. Because Ishmael was his son. And at the feast of celebration, when Ishmael was now officially a little boy, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking, mocking Isaac. And this, she saw into it because she realized we're old. I'm over 90 now and Abram is much older. We are going to die. And if we die, Ishmael will control the inheritance that belongs to Isaac. He will take what God has promised in this land of Canaan. And he does, he is not one of us. Help us, God. Help us. Send the lad away. For this son of the bondwoman will not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the Bible says Abraham was grieved. He was so grieved. He was grieved because of the bondwoman and her son. I want you to understand why he was grieved. That word grieved is the word ra, ya ra. He wasn't just grieved because he had to send his son away. He was grieved because it seemed to him immorally and ethically incorrect. Yes, yes. Because he didn't see what Sarah saw. He didn't realize that little Ishmael's gonna do ever or little little Isaac so looked up to Ishmael, and Ishmael's controlling personality would have taken everything after they were gone because they were old. He didn't see it at all. He was just so grieved over the fact this could be unrighteous. This could be wrong until God told him, be not grieved over the lad and over this handmaiden, over this bondwoman. Sarah is speaking to you correctly. For it is in Isaac that thy seed shall be called. And the Bible says, Abram rose up early in the morning, just like the Akita. He rose up. So this means God told him in a dream. Immediately, he regulated his emotions to the will of God. God wants us to get to the point that we don't just hold on to our emotions, that we allow God to regulate our emotions. If God tells us to let it go, we have to let it go. Hallelujah. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at 
mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.